Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. So good. My name's Luke. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I serve here at the church and at the youth group, and it's just, it's just great. And recently, I have started going back to Bible college because it's just a whole lot of fun to, to get into the God on an academic level. Not everyone's cup of tea. It's my cup of tea. <laughs> but, and I, I had gone to Bible college a few years earlier, um, and I have a diploma of theology from that. But uh, God's been pressing on my heart, especially at the end of last year. He was pressing on my heart to get back into it, to complete my bachelor's. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm just doing one unit because I'm working, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little bit of time to get finished, but I'm chipping away, and it's, it's great, it's great. Um, and so this unit that I'm doing, it's like the, the basic intro unit, um, so it's not, it's, um, what's it, uh, introduction to research and writing. So it's not the most entertaining thing yet, but... Um, the way that this unit works, and it's really good because it means I can do it and keep my full-time work, is uh, a few weeks ago we had something called an intensive uh, where we did a 40-hour week at the university, at the Bible college, where they basically gave us the content for the entire semester and jam-packed it into us in one week. And then um, all the assessments and all the tests are going to be spread out uh, throughout the rest of the semester. And I don't have to go into class for any of those. Um, they're all online, so I can still work and I can do those tests and, and exams and essays in, in my own time. Um, and so that's great for me, because that, that really helped me to, to have that balance maintained. But um, coming into this intensive on, on that, that week, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, it, was, it was really, f- it's funny in hindsight, it wasn't funny in the moment, but um, on day one, uh, one of the first things that we looked at was something called the unit outline, which um, just does what it says. It outlines the unit and it um, tells you these are going to be the expectations for university level learning. These are going to be like what the grading is like. This is all of your tests and this is when everything is due. Like this is due this week. This is due the next week. This is how much, per- like how, uh, what the percentage weight of each assignment is. Like this essay is going to be worth like a whole 40% of your entire grade. It's crazy stuff. And you could tell, it's like a class of like uh, 10, 12-ish people um, that was there. And as soon as we started going through this unit outline, you could tell that everyone, without exception, everyone began to stress. Everyone began to stress as we were going through the assignments and the expectations and like, oh, this is what you were doing in high school and maybe this is what you've done in your work life, but university, you're going to have these expectations and and this is what a high distinction looks like and you need to start thinking about your distinctions now if you're ever going to consider doing a master's or a doctorate. It doesn't matter that it's the first unit and and everyone's stressing. And, I mean, there was a bit of difference to the stress because some of these students, they were doing four units because they were doing full-time study and so they were thinking to themselves, oh, gosh, this is the expectations for this unit, and I have to quadruple that, <laughs> and I have to fit it all in somehow. Um, but for me, it was a different kind of stress, because even though I'm only doing one unit, like I said, I still have work, and so I'm like, am I even, am I going to fit that in? 
Like, how, how long does that take to, to do? Um, I'm so glad I'm not doing two units. <laughs> like, even to, I considered it. I'm like, oh, could I do two online with that? Would I be able to get that? I would not. I would not succeed. I'm telling you now. <laughs> um, but stress has, I mean, stress has always been a part of life. But throughout these last two years, there's been a, just a little bit more than usual, I would say, in most of our lives because of everything that's gone on. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Uh, well, hands up if you think you've been more stressed in these last two years than you were in, what was it, 2019? Yeah, a little bit. And we stress about different things. Everyone's got their own stories for these past two years um, of what's gotten to them and, and uh, different problems that they've faced. Sometimes it's to do with health. Sometimes it's to do with family. Sometimes it's to do with uh, finance and, and securities like that. But there has been plenty to, to stress about, and that is one of the problems and one of the poisons that we found from this pandemic. Um, and, and it is true to life, but certainly this pandemic has concentrated that problem and, and made it more uh, prevalent, I would say. And so we're doing a series on uh, promises, verse, uh, promises greater than pandemics. And so... Before we get to the promise, I think it is important, and the promise is rest, that's what it says up there, but I think it's important to just uh, define a little bit this problem of stress. And now, I know that we all know what stress is because we've all experienced it, so I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to sit down and, and whip out Oxford Dictionary, but I do have a fun little uh, visual example. So Tim, could I get you up here? This is a balloon, believe it or not. It's Tim's favorite color. Um, and Tim, can, you can take your mask off for this, what a privilege. <laughs> but can I just get you to put, like, just like one medium-sized breath into that balloon, and then pinch it? Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we see that in order for the balloon to function, we do need a small amount of pressure and a small amount of stress to be inside or upon that balloon. And indeed, in our lives, um, we do need some amount of stress to, to function. Like for my exams and my tests, if I do not have any stress about them at all, I'm just going to play video games the entire time, and I'm never going to get them done, and then I'm going to fail the unit. So I need a small amount of stress, uh, positive stress, to motivate me, to tell me, here is this problem, this demand in my life, and you actually need to gear up and be motivated and, and have some sort of action towards that. And that's effectively what stress is. It's our body gearing up uh, to take action. But problems can occur when too much stress is put into something or put upon someone. So Tim, can I just get you to keep blowing that up? And, and just keep going. Yeah, you can keep going. <laughs> yeah, actually, I might just <laughs> keep going. <laughs> How much? <laughs> mm, yeah, that's a that's a bit moist in there. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Uh, and so that's what happens when we have too much stress in our lives. Is it can be a bit damaging, um, and certainly that was not the intended purpose for that balloon. It's supposed to have a little bit of stress inside it so it can be inflated and it can look nice and it can achieve its purpose and it can get its job done, which is to decorate a room. 
And indeed, just having a balloon like this isn't very decorative. We do need some stress. But if we get too much, there's a bit of a problem. <laughs> a bit of a problem. And um, I, I wish I had the foresight to um, have a slide for this, but I only thought about it this morning. Um, I kind of imagine um, kind of like an, uh, a compass for the types of stress. So on the top and the bottom, uh, on this axis, we have on one hand, um, what was it? We have stress for real demands and threats, like my exam. It's coming up, it's real, it's going to happen, and I have to prepare for it. And then on the bottom, we have imagined uh, threats and, and demands and changes, uh, which are still just as important to our life. For example, um, we can worry about, oh, what if I contract coronavirus? So that is something that isn't yet occurring, but not only is it in the future, it's not certain. Like my, my tests for my uni, they're in the future, but they're certain. I'm going to have to do them. But me contracting coronavirus, that's not certain yet. Um, but I, what I can do is I can worry about that, so that's where worry comes in, and then that worry can cause me to gear up for action, get ready to try and solve this problem, but then I'm, I can't because it's not there yet. So that can be on the left and the right. We have uh, the stress from having too much to do. Um, so like I have too many tests, I have too many exams, it's, um, it's just too much to handle, and I'm doing it and I'm acting and I'm, I'm solving some of the problems, but there's just too much and I don't have the capacity. And that stress affects us a lot, and especially in this pandemic, there's, there seems at certain times to have been more and more to do, and we just can't get it all done. But then on the other side, we find uh, problems that arise that we stress about um, because we're trying to solve them, but we're not actually in the position to do so. We either don't have the ability or we don't have the opportunity. For example, um, let's just say I was worried and stressed about um, the border and uh, people with coronavirus getting in or people without coronavirus that need to get in, like family or, or just Australians or whoever, not being able to get in even though they need to. Um, now, I can't actually do a whole lot about that situation because that's more um, the politicians and then the, the, the airport people below them and all of that. But I, I, I mean, there's a few little things I can do. But by and large, I'm, I can worry about that and I can stress about that and I can gear up to solve the problem but I then can't find any release for that stress because I'm not in a position to solve the problem. Does that make sense? So this is what stress looks like for us. And, and you, can, you can see with, with the different aspects of stress that it's very easy to get too much or to get the wrong kind and it, it just begins to harm us and hurt us. But thank God that he has promises for us greater than stress. And the promise that God has for us, greater than stress, is rest. And I say rest as opposed to peace, because peace, I find, is more of a direct opposition to that worry side of things. Um, or maybe we're talking about the certainty, uncertainty that Brad talked about last week. And certainly, with all of these problems and with all of these promises, we will find that there is great overlap. But I find because stress is that physical or that mental gearing up for action, the promise that God actually has for us in response is rest. And certainly, rest is usually peaceful, but that's just, yeah, terminology. <laughs> and so, first of all, looking at rest, 
I want to take us to um, the beginning of the Bible where rest was first modeled to us. So I'm going to read from Genesis uh, 2, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. That's what I meant. Um, And this is God at the end of creation, um, resting on the seventh day. So I'll read it. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. And so this is, as far as I'm aware, in chapters 1 and 2, the resting of God on the seventh day is the first instance of rest we find in the Word. And looking at this in previous years, it's always gotten to me a little bit, and it's always confused me a little bit, because um, I understand that God is all-powerful, and I understand he is, um, he is omnipotent. So it didn't quite resolve itself within me as to why he needed to rest, or why he did rest. Because certainly, um, we see him still working today, so there is, there is still work to be done. And if God finished creation, surely, because he, he doesn't tire and he doesn't get exhausted because he's all-powerful, he can just move on to the next task, and he can get working. And yet he doesn't. And so um, what I was taught um, at that time was that the, the sole reason God rested on the seventh day was to model Sabbath rest to us. And certainly, he does model Sabbath rest to us, and he does show us the importance of rest in this example, and he does show us um, the sanctity of a Sabbath. But um, that's, I was led to believe that that was the sole purpose for this rest. God doesn't need to rest, but he did just so he can show humans how to do it. But looking at this in, pre- in preparation for this sermon, I actually found that there's a little bit more to it, at least I believe. And what that is, is that God resting here, it actually, what it actually says in the passage, it says, um, it didn't say God rested because he was tired. It said God rested because he had finished the current work he had been doing. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so he rested on the seventh day. And so what that, that means for us isn't that God isn't ever going to work again, but it means that God found a space in time where he had the opportunity to step back and let others move. He had the opportunity to step back and let others move, and in this case, it was creation. Indeed, before the world was created, if God rested, it wouldn't make much difference from him not resting, because time didn't even really exist then. Like, there was, there was no tracker for days, so like God doing something, God not doing something for a second. It's all going to kind of just blend into one. But here we find that he's created this work, this, um, these beings and creatures that have their own agency and have their own will and can inflict change of their own accord. And so when God gets to the end of day six and everything's been created, he actually finds, I've done enough for now and now it's time for me to step back and let uh, man and let the creatures Uh, do some things and let them move. And certainly God is always still working and still moving. Um, But to a degree, his his job for the time being had finished and it was time for us to have our role and and to to see what happened. And and I love this and I find this important um, because that's part of the rest that is modeled to us. If I want to define rest today, church, it's not... um, so much to do with doing something or not doing something. Because when God has this promise of rest 
for us, it's um, like there is still work to be done. Uh, certainly, we have callings on our lives, and indeed, I have preached, uh, I think the last sermon I did was I mentioned we have, uh, we have gifts and callings upon our lives, and with those gifts comes responsibilities and mandates to do them. So certainly, we can't be in this, we can't be doing nothing all the time. But um, I find that rest is actually this stepping back from taking command and taking control of the situation, stepping back from having the burden and the pressure and the stress upon us and letting someone else move. And when, um, when God modeled this to us, he was letting creation move for a little bit. But when we engage in the promise of rest, we step back and we can let the God who is able to do all things have a hand in our problem. When we step back from the stresses and the pressures that are upon us, we might still have to do actions. We might still have to engage. Like, even if um, I'm doing, I'm, I'm still going to have to do my assignments, but what I can do is I can learn to step back from the burdens and the pressures and the stresses of that, and God can take control of that situation. And so I'm still working, I'm still moving, but I can come to it from a position of rest. And this is so powerful. This is so powerful because the way that the world views rest is if we have a, we, a problem comes up in your life and it takes away the rest, let's say. And so then we have to, we stress about the problem. We have to get through the problem. We have to solve the issue and then rest is on the other side. Well, who knows that for some problems in life, like that rest is a long way off. And we think, oh, maybe it'll be there tomorrow, maybe it'll be there tomorrow, maybe I'll finally solve this problem. But some problems are a lot bigger than others. And so God, with this promise of rest, he's, us, he's promising it to us now, church, so that when we step back and we give him control and we, um, we say that he's the one in command and he's the one that has ownership and authority in our lives, then we don't have to wait for that problem to be solved, we don't have to wait for that storm to be over before we can experience our rest. Because we can rest in the Lord now. And I think that's such an amazing thing. Um, and also, just another little thing that I find from this is, God is able to do everything, and yet he still found the time to rest. Uh, so often, especially with our callings and our God gifts and all of that, we've, we come under the impression of, if I am able to do, I must do all the time. Like, if I am able to, to serve or to, to sing or to, to be on worship band, then, then I must do that as often as possible. I must, I must put my service in, otherwise I'm not honoring the gift that I've been given. Or helping spread the gospel uh, in, like, super extravagant and external ways, then um, I'm not honoring the salvation that I've been given. And I'm here to tell you that if, if, if you ever get those worries and you ever get that, um, that doubt upon how you're acting... It's, it's simply not true. If God is able to do everything and yet still find the time to rest, then certainly the promise for rest is still true for us to say, yes, we want to, we want to grow the kingdom and yes, we want to save souls, but the burden of that is not on us. The burden of that is not on us. The burden of, of bringing the presence of God in worship is not on me being on keys every single week. That's with God. And so I can take... The rest that is offered to me, that is a gift offered to us, and so much do we need it. Uh, we, often in worship team, we talk about burnout, and we just, we just remind our team, do not serve every week if 
someone accidentally rosters you on to be on every week, raise up your hand and say, excuse me, <laughs> I need a rest. I need a week off. Because it's true. Um, and so that's all, that's all just from that scripture. But I want to take you to another. Um, and this one uh, is a classic when it comes to uh, talking about stress. And that is the story of Martha and Mary. Uh, hands up if you've heard this story before. Awesome. So I'm going to be reading from Luke 10, verse 38. And it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You were worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So here, we see that Martha is a little bit stressed. And rightly so, because she has opened her home to Jesus and his disciples. And as hostess, she is preparing the house, she is preparing the meal, and not just for her, her sister, and Jesus, but also for 12 disciples. That's a lot of people to feed. And she was doing what was culturally um, acceptable in the time. She was the hostess, she was the woman of the house, and so it was her job to prepare the food and, and create the meal and, and such. And that also fell to Mary. But we find that Mary is not helping. Mary is at Jesus' feet, which is, quite counterculturally, a position reserved for disciples of the rabbi, and that's almost exclusively men. And so Mary was not really a disciple um, in the strictest sense, and she was also not a man. But here she was. And so Martha calls it out, as I think any other woman in the time probably would have. Like, have you, have you ever had... I mean, I'm not married. I can't speak to this yet properly. But, um, so I'm just asking. Uh, but have you, has anyone ever had like, some, some people come over and you thought your spouse was going to help you out with the, with the preparations or with the food or something. Or ma maybe you never had that expectation, expectation. Maybe that was just, like, never on the table. But who... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but has anyone ever had that expectation of, oh, I thought they were going to help, but they're just chatting to the people or they're just watching the sports with, with the guys or, or something? Any, ever? No? Yes? <laughs> so that was Martha. <laughs> That was Martha. And, um, and so she calls it out, and she asks Jesus to, to tell Mary off and to get her to work. But the Lord says to Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary had chosen first to come to the feet of Jesus. The feet of the rabbi, the feet of the father. And this is a special place. This is the place where she was learning and she was listening and she was resting. And I think Jesus wasn't 
telling Martha that she was wrong for working, because indeed the meal still needed to be prepared. But I think Jesus just really didn't want Martha to take away from Mary that which she had found. Because in that moment, Martha was getting distracted by all these other things, so much so that she was missing the person whom she was with, the presence that was next to her. But Mary noticed. Mary had found it. And Mary didn't let the stresses and the expectations and the obligations get in the way of the Savior whom she had found. And so that's what stress can end up doing in our lives when there's too much and there's just so much going on or there's so much that could happen and we're stressing and we're worrying, is that's where our focus goes. That's where our focus ends up. But when we are reminded of this promise of rest and we learn to take that step back and have a bit of a pause, we can realign ourselves and find our focus coming back to the one who really matters. The one who is able to do all things and is able to solve all the problems. Because we can be focusing on solution A and we can be focusing on solution B. Or we can be focusing on the one in whom, who's, in all, in whom all solutions can be found. Amen? That would have been a bit more powerful if I had got it out the first time. <laughs> um, and so I want to say the feet... The feet reflect the focus. That's how I want to word it. The feet reflect the focus. Who you are under, church, who you are under determines what you can get over. Who you are under determines what you can get over. What do I mean by that is, again, when I was talking about the balloon and and the sayings that we usually say, don't we often say that we are under a lot of stress? We are under a lot of pressure. Well, if you think about sitting at someone's feet physically, if you are sitting physically at the feet of a person and you look up, Who is it above you? Who is it above you? It is the person whose feet you are sitting at. And so when Mary was at Jesus' feet, she was under the authority of Jesus. She was under the covering and the grace and the protection of Jesus, both physically and spiritually. And that's the promise that we have that we can come to and that we can remember, church, is that when we have problems and we have stresses in life, we can either exist under them And when we look up, our focus is going to be on those problems, or we can remember to come back, take a second, ground ourselves with the Father, sit at His feet, maybe do nothing for a little bit, and oh, we're thinking, um, but then I still have to do this, and I still have to get this done. If if you don't, if stress is telling you that you don't have, if you, sorry, if you don't think you have time to sit with Jesus and do nothing, then stress is dictating your relationship with God. If you don't think you have the time to sit and just do nothing for even a minute with God, if you don't think you have the time to pray in the morning, if you don't think you have the time to read a chapter of the Bible, then you are letting the world dictate your focus away from the one who has saved you and the only one who matters, the only name above all names. And so this, this, yeah, the feet reflect the focus and there's, there's more significance to the, to the feet, because um, it also shows intimacy. Again, if you were to, if, let's, let's imagine I go and sit at the feet of a stranger. And I don't mean sit on the ground and there is a stranger standing. Like, if we were to imagine sitting at someone's feet, and I'm sitting at the feet of a stranger, I am 100% in their bubble. 
Like, you imagine sitting at someone's feet without getting in their personal space. It doesn't work. And so in order, when we, when we engage with this promise of rest and coming back to Jesus, we are engaging in intimacy with him. We are engaging in relationship. That is the promise that he has for us. And the flip side of that is that when we get stresses and, and we focus on them and, and we forget to find the time to be with Jesus, well, then the relationship suffers because we're, not, we're away from that intimacy. We're sitting under stress instead of sitting under grace. It says in um, Psalm 57 verse 1, Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And that's such a beautiful image of Jesus spreading his covering over us, spreading his wings, uh, the, the mother bird spreading the wings over the chicks to shelter them. And, and again, that, that just sheltering from the problems and the stresses. And we can find that with Jesus, we are safe. And so Martha was under the stress, but Mary was under the covering of Jesus. Another passage that I think uh, shows this beautifully is um, the, the story of the man possessed by a legion of demons, uh, and Jesus sends the demons into the pigs. Uh, and from reading from Luke 8 verse 34, it says, When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. And so this man, again, we find that someone was under a different authority, under a different power, under a different pressure, as it were. Um, and this was the authority and the power of demons and spirits. And then when Jesus drives those spirits out... Where do the townsfolk find this man but sitting at Jesus' feet as a disciple? Again, physically under him, under his authority. He, was, he found himself under a new authority. No longer the authority and the torment and the torture of demons and spirits, but under the authority and the grace and the protection of God Most High. And that is the promise given to us. And so what, what does this look like practically? Because I said... I said that we do still have work to do and there are times to, to actually take action and there are still callings and gifts on our lives. So what does this look like? Again, it doesn't always mean that we are doing nothing although if, and, and just being with God. Although if God calls you to a life of just kneeling before Him all the time, 24-7, and just praising and worshipping, if He calls you to that, then I do not have a shadow of doubt that He will provide for you in that. And I think that would be a beautiful existence to just be in the presence of God in that way all the time. But for a lot of us, there are actions to be done and, and, and callings to be lived out. And so, again, I'm not necessarily saying that we don't do the work. But what I encourage you in church and encourage you to remember in this promise is that we don't have to get through the problem to experience 
rest and to experience that moment where the burden is lifted. Because usually the burden only gets lifted when it's complete. Like that's how the world works, is if you want this burden removed, you either have to pass it to, to someone else and, you know, like delegate to one of your employees or something, <laughs> or um, like, oh, if I don't want to vacuum at youth group, I just tell one of the other leaders to do it and it's easy. Uh, <laughs> but um, you either have to pass it off to someone else or you have to solve the problem. But with God and with rest, when, when we start to get stressed and we start to get overwhelmed and the pressures come upon us, then what I'm encouraging us to remember is the truth that we can take a step back and first come to God for a little moment and just give that to Him. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Again, we find the image of putting something down underneath the authority of something else. Put it at the foot of the cross. And then as we go through our work and we go through our our lives, we can rest assured that the problem is in much greater hands than our own. We can rest assured that the problem is in much greater hands than our own. If I could have the the worship team back up. I just want to end on this last scripture, which says, it's Matthew 11, 28, and it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus' words. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The funny thing about this passage is one chapter previous in Matthew 10, Jesus' words sounded quite different. Because in Matthew 10, Jesus talks about how we must deny ourselves and take up our cross. He talks about how we will be turned against our brothers and our mothers and our fathers and they against us. He talks about how we will be led into the synagogues to be beaten. And all of these things are going to happen for the sake of the name of Jesus. And he also talks about, indeed, if we do not suffer for the name and we do not... um, we are not prepared to go through that, then we have no part in Him. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like an easy yoke. It doesn't sound like an easy yoke to me. And that was, again, Matthew 10, and then in Matthew 11, He's talking about this this easy yoke. So what's going on here? Again, we have work in this life. We have callings, and there will be problems, and there will be storms. But when we learn to rest in God, this is the promise He has for us. Not that the mountain will get smaller and not that there will be no mountains to climb, but that the one we climb with is the one who formed that mountain from the dust. (laughs) Not that the mountain will get smaller And not that there will be no mountains to climb, but that the one who is with us, the one whose strength we can rely on, the one whom we lay the problems at the feet of, has formed that mountain from the dust. 
that's what rest is, church, in this season as we go through the remainder. And who knows, the the pandemic, I mean, the border's opening, but the pandemic isn't over yet and the pandemics of life are going to keep coming. We've got the situation in Ukraine at the moment, but even after that gets solved, however that gets solved, there's always another one. There's big problems, there's little problems. The daily problems, the yearly problems. But God's promise for us never ends and never fails. That no matter what comes against us, we can learn to rest in Him, leave our problems with Him, and find peace. And so now in this moment, um, I just want to invite a space. I want to create a space where, where we can just rest for a little bit. Rest with God. And indeed, oh, I, do, I do just want to say this quick. Rest, like I'm not saying that the only way that we can rest is to pray and to worship and to kneel before God. Like you can also rest by having a picnic or by reading a book or by playing video games, whatever it is you, that, that is great as well. And certainly we are allowed to rest in those ways. I don't want to say no to that. But there is something particularly special about taking that time out and just having nothing before God and saying it doesn't matter that, and that's what I want to do here. Like maybe you're anxious to, to get your coffee and to, to have fun chats and that's certainly a form of rest. Or maybe you're going to rush off as soon as the service ends because you've got somewhere to be and something to do or maybe you need to study for a test or maybe there's something like that going on. Or I just, I just want to have to just have nothing for, before God for a little bit. To just each of us to ourselves be with him and say I'm just going to lay every other thought and every other fear aside and I'm just going to spend some time with my saviour and maybe that's going to look like prayer maybe you're going to sing a little song to him as we sit here or maybe you're just going to be and you're just going to sit at the feet of the father well I just want to open that up now So as the band begins to play, um, just however you're comfortable, if you want to kneel, if you want to sit, if you want to stand, I just invite you in and I'll I'll pray us in. Uh, But yeah, just for these next few minutes, just find rest in your God. Dear Father, I thank you for your promises and that they never fail. I thank you that no matter what happens, we may always turn to you and we may always return to you, even if we've wandered away, even if we've become so wrapped up in the pressures and the expectations and the the promises of life and the promises that the world offers us. You always welcome us back in. And so we come before you now, God, with nothing. And that which we do have, we just lay before you. We lay at your feet all our crowns, all our problems, all our sins, and all our idols. And we just want you in this moment. We just want you in this moment, Lord. We declare in our lives now that there is time 
to rest with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So just listen to the, to the music for a little bit, church, and just, just rest in the Lord.